Great. Well, we're going to be looking into uh, God's Word in the New Testament of the Bible, and you'll find uh, where we're going to be on page 1186. Uh, if you, you're using a Bible nearby, there should be one within arm's reach. Uh, page 1186, it's the book of 1 Thessalonians. And um, as Peter said earlier on, uh, we are in this uh, series of uh, of talks from the Bible, of Bible teaching, uh, which we've called Growing Church. And uh, we've, uh, we're doing this for a particular reason. Um, it's because uh, we want to be a church that's growing, don't we? That's uh, normal in life. Uh, that's our vision. That's where we want to be heading. We want to be working towards that. It's what we're praying about and uh, looking at. It's one of the reasons we're doing all this stuff with the building, why we've changed the front of it, why we, we don't want just to have a, a, a kind of room to do our own thing in. We want it to be accessible and uh, so that we can grow and others can be involved and so on and so forth. So, you know, growth is uh, important. Uh, it's the, uh, we believe God's given us his vision and not just us, it's in his word, actually. It's not just numbers either. We're thinking about growing in three uh, different ways. And we see these ways all, again, in the Bible. We want to be growing towards God. She might say it's in a kind of upward direction. It's not strictly accurate because you can't say God's up there and we're down here. We get the idea we want to be growing towards him in our love and in our obedience, in our devotion, in our worship, in our praise. We want to as well be growing towards one another, growing closer to one another. Um, you might say growing in a kind of inward direction, although we, I think we prefer growing close rather than growing in. I was reminded of an experience I had a, as a teenager with a toenail, which was to do with growing in, but we won't go there now. But the idea of growing closer together, closer to one another. But also, and most importantly, we want to be growing in an outward direction, out towards the wider world. God has placed us here to, to bring his truth, to live his truth, to enable people who don't yet know him to know him. So we want to be growing in that outward way as well. And as I say, that means that what we want to be about is much more than coming to a building to, to have services or to do projects or do stuff, although that's all very good. We want to be a growing community of growing people. And we want this because the Bible says this is the norm. It, it's normally uh, what goes on. And so just for this series, we're looking at parts of the New Testament which tell us how uh, churches grew in that world. Normally, if you're new, we normally work systematically through books of the Bible here. Um, uh, so we've just finished Genesis, and you'll find it all on the website if you want to catch up. Uh, for this little series, we're, we're going... Yeah, it's through bits of the Bible, but in different places uh, as we look at these different churches and see how they grow. And those uh, cities, we're looking at churches that grew in cities that were part of the Roman Empire, that were far away from Jerusalem and the, the, what we now call the Holy Land or Palestine or, or Israel, far away from there, um, out in the Roman Empire. These places had no experience of, of Jesus and his ministry. They had no memory of what it was like when he was around. They, these were play, places where people just didn't get God in the way that, that, that the early believers did. Places that were secular or, or had all kinds of gods that they worshipped. Actually, the kind of cities and the kind of cultures 
where we live, actually, right here, right now. And for a couple of weeks, we've been looking at a church that grew in a city like that called Antioch in the book of Acts. And then for the next three weeks, we're looking at how the church grew in another similar place, another similar kind of Roman imperial city called Thessalonica. Thessalonica is in Greece. It still exists almost by the same name. Uh, Anyone been there on their holidays? Yeah, uh, Mary and Tony have been there and perhaps some of others. So you can ask Mary uh, Lewis, she's over there on my right, uh, what it's like over there if you want to afterwards. What happened was that uh, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, uh, along with Silas and Timothy... Uh, some of his team, they were in that city for just a few months. We read about it in the book of Acts in chapter 17, and you can read that at home if you want to later. It all started really well. Uh, Some uh, people responded to the good news about Jesus, and they shared it with the Jewish community, and others who weren't from a Jewish background came to know Jesus and so on. And then after perhaps a month or two or three, we're not quite sure, but quite early on, Uh, The Apostle Paul had to leave Thessalonica because of all the trouble uh, that was being caused by people following Jesus. They weren't troublesome, uh, but the people around them, particularly the Jewish community, didn't like it very much, started a riot, and it was all quite rough. And they had to get Paul out of um, Thessalonica pretty much um, straight away. So that's that's, uh, what had happened then. They had to to leave. Paul had to leave quickly. But he did leave... um, Timothy and Silas behind in the city to carry on teaching the guys and helping them and uh, and so on. And Paul went off to Athens, another city not too far away by our standards, quite away in those days because it was difficult, more difficult to get there. Uh, And and Paul goes to Athens and while he's in Athens, he's kind of thinking, I wonder how they're getting on in Thessalonica. And eventually Silas and Timothy, probably after another two or three months, about six months after the church began, Silas and Timothy come to Athens to meet up with Paul and they tell him how things are going back in Thessalonica. That's what happened. And as a result of that, that catching up, Paul says, okay, I'm going to write a letter to that community of believers in Thessalonica to encourage them, to teach them. And actually, this is it, 1 Thessalonians. And it's the very first letter, probably, almost certainly, that the Apostle Paul ever wrote. And the Apostle was one of the most significant writers in Christianity, I suppose you might say. He brings God's word. Uh, much of the New Testament is written by him. And this is his first, his first letter. Very early on, about six months uh, after the church started. We're talking in the, in the, early 30, uh, in the late 30s, early 40s AD. So how could this help us then? Well, we're going to find out what's going on as this church was growing. I've called this the anatomy of church growth. We're not going to dissect it in a cold way, but we're going to find out what was actually happening. What was it about their community that was so key as they grew? And over three weeks, we'll look into the book of Thessalonians and see what we can learn with that angle. Because it could help us, couldn't it? We want to grow here. We want to grow in our secular city. We want that kind of life among us. Is it that difficult? Well, that's something we can think about and talk about. Can we line up what we know of our experience along with what we read of the Thessalonians and what God was doing with them? Well, let's read it and find out. Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, we'll read from verse 1, just 10 verses. 
Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. Good, it's up there on the screen. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Okay, well, let's meet the Thessalonians then. Now, just uh, imagine you, uh, if you're a Christian here, imagine that you've been uh, on maybe a Christian camp. You know, lots of us have been on Christian camp and served God somewhere or been on a project with some friends. We had a great time. Sorry if you missed it, uh, but uh, it's too late now, but maybe we'll do it again. We had a great time last night at the Bangladesh lamb curry evening, didn't we? And uh, that partly was produced because a a bunch of us, uh, five of us, went to Bangladesh as a team. And we spent 10 days about 18 months ago there. Uh, Imagine when we, shortly after we got back, if we talked to each other about what had happened in Bangladesh. Uh, And we talked about the... uh, We were then going to pray about what had happened in Bangladesh. We're going to pray for the people we met Okay, imagine that. Or imagine you know, when you come back from camp, you know, you've been on a camp or a project or a mission team, and you come back or something, you come back and you report back and you, you kind of share it, and they say, oh, let's pray for those people, and, and you pray. Okay, just imagine that scenario now. Now, imagine if someone else came and listened to that group praying for what they'd been through, for the people that they'd been with. You'd find out from just listening in on those prayers what had really mattered, wouldn't you? You'd find out what the heart of what was going on was. You know, prayer reveals that. If you want to know what's on um, my heart and Mary's heart, our heart as a couple, say for our, our kids and our family, one way you could do that, I don't suggest it, is that you could sneak into our bedroom early in the morning and, and, or you know, listen at the door and hear what we're praying for them. Please don't do that, you know. We manage it most mornings. If you did, it would probably be one of the mornings when we didn't. I was up too early or something. Very rare, but that might, you know what I mean. If you caught what we were praying, you'd catch what was on our hearts, wouldn't you? You'd know what really matters. You want to know what's on the hearts of the elders. You could uh, listen in on their prayers. Do that coming three of us at least usually meet for prayer Friday mornings. You come and do that half past seven if you like. No one ever has, but hey, you know, why not? Join us if you want to. Find out, you know, what's going on. What's on the heart. And, and this is what we've got. This is what we get in 1 Thessalonians 1. 
Because verse 2 says, we always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. Who is the our there? Who are the we? Well, it's the people who are behind the letter. First three words, four words. Paul, Silas, and Timothy. So they got back. They got to Athens. They were met up with Paul. They'd shared with him how everything was going in Thessalonica. And this is what they prayed about. These were the things that kind of came bubbling up out of that time. These were the things that really mattered. They were praying over what was key. They wanted to, in their prayers, build another story on top of what was there. Not, you know, build like in a building. A bit like, please God, we'll be able to do at the back of here. You know, we've got one story, it's there. It'll soon be bricked up solid and we're going to put another one on top of it. They've been praying about what had happened and they're going to pray for the next part of what they want believe God will lead them uh, to do and to, to pray for. So in this prayer, you kind of, I think, get some what you might call vital signs, you know, signs of life, signs that show that they're alive and that, that they're growing, things that were absolutely essential, absolutely key to their experience uh, as they look back on the beginning of this church. Now, what were they? Well, there were three, faith, love, and hope. There they are in verses 1 to 3. Verse 3. Think about them for a minute. Faith. These people, these believers had grasped the truth about Jesus. They've got to hold of enough at least of, of understanding how they can know God through Jesus. They've got it as far as the message is concerned. They've, they've got enough, verse 8. To respond to God. Uh, Verse 8 tells us, actually, they were well known. Their faith in God, it says, is known everywhere. Other people realize that. They've responded to God. They've known enough about God, enough about Jesus, enough about what he's done to be able to say, yes, I'm going to, I don't understand it all, I don't get everything, but I know enough to say I'm going to give my life to him. I'm going to respond to him. That's what faith is. It's belief It's understanding and getting the truth enough to say, I'm going to act upon it. I'm going to to respond to that. That's faith. That's the first kind of life sign. So I think there's a few medics here. Is it like the the, the Glasgow scale of, you know, how you tell if people how far into a coma they are, where you look for certain signs, and this is one of these signs of life, faith. So they score highly in the faith sector. They're alive. It's a vital sign, a sign of life. What was the next one? Love. It says, your love. Verse 3. You see, for these Thessalonian believers, their faith, their belief, even their, their response to that belief was not just a personal matter. It wasn't just for them personally. It wasn't just a private concern. They'd found that, that what, what they knew and understood and responded to about God had touched the lives of others around them because the way they relate to others have been affected by what they understood and, and known and responded to. Their faith has affected their relationships. They've known this, what someone's called, love of another kind. They've known their, their lives reorientating away from being just centered on themselves, but as they've been reorientated towards God, so they've been reorientated around to other people. That's another life sign. Their love 
for others. And as Paul and his friends remember them and remember the life that they shared and everything, they say, yeah, yeah, we remember that. Their love, their faith, and their love. And there's a third life sign, their hope. Now this here is something about the future. Now hope, we often read about hope in the, in, in the Bible, in the New Testament, and we have a bit of a problem in, in our, with our language because when we talk about hope in English, in proverbial kind of, as we talk, we kind of use hope as a kind of wish. You know, someone might kind of say, well, I, I'm li-. when we talk about living in hope, you kind of think it's kind of, you're hoping something might happen. It's like saying, I'm living in hope of winning the lottery, you know? Actually, I don't play the lottery, so that's not accurate. But, you know, I might be living in hope of, you know, I don't know, the, my building society once said if you put enough money in your account, they, you know, they put you in a thing, they, you might get a million pounds. I might live in hope of that. I haven't done anything, just to, you know, carried on saving. It's not going to happen. Probably it won't happen. And we think of hope as that kind of, well, I'm kind of hoping that that might be the case. But when the Bible, the New Testament, talks about hope, it's talking about something much more certain. It's a bit like uh, we're going on holiday in two weeks' time. And it's a bit like saying, I'm living in hope of our holiday in two weeks' time. Because we're going on holiday in two weeks' time. It's going to happen. I mean, okay, some things might go on. But for the sake of the illustration, it's a kind of certain thing. And that, when, the Bible, when, when Paul writes that you, you have this hope, it's that kind of certain hope. Why is it hope certain? Because it's in Jesus Christ. It says your hope is in our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Lord. He is risen from the dead. We're connected to him, and our future is connected with him. His being alive is the beginning of all that God is going to do as he's going to reboot the whole of creation one day. And he's already started by rebooting us. And we're part of that new thing he's going to be doing. And because we're with Jesus, because we're connected to Jesus, because we belong to Jesus in that, then we know that we're going to be part of that big deal one day. The hope in that sense is certain. And these are all signs of spiritual life. Faith, love, and hope. These people are alive. These are, you know, they're scoring highly in those areas of the equivalent of that scale about being alive. You know? And they're growing. And, and look at it. It's not just, is it, uh, that they, they've got a kind of uh, just an internal feeling about it. Uh, they do have that. It's not just they believe something just for themselves inside. It's not even just that they're relating well to other people and, you know, it's all going kind of fine. Um, that may be true. It may not be true. But it's not just about their feelings to others. It's not just aspirational kind of stuff, things that they hope may be so. No, these things, this faith, hope, and love is actually making a difference in their lives right now in the tough things. You know, where the rubber hits the road or, or you know, the sole of your walking boot hits the, you know, scrubbly, scree stuff as you, as you clamber. It's at that point. How do we know that? Well, look at the words that are used with faith, hope, and love. See that? Your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope. It's pretty grounded, you see. It's got to, you know, you have to live it. You have to endure through it. It can be hard work at times. It's not just kind of floating back feeling aspirationally good and loving and wonderful. 
you know, there are times, and most of the time, when we have to put one step in front of the other and keep going. In all of those areas, faith, love, and hope needs to be worked out every day for us, all of us. These life signs have got to enable us, or they, they've got to be making a difference as, our, you know, as we kind of, kind of walk through life. We could work that out. Let me give you one example. Let's look at perhaps the most difficult one, hope. If our hope is in Jesus, if our hope is that, that, that because of, of Jesus is Lord, because he's risen, because one day there is, a, you know, there is a future that God has for the whole of his creation. Everything is going to be renewed. That, that our relationship with him will continue forever. That there is purpose to our lives. If, if, if God has got this, this, this intention, because we've seen it in Jesus, to, to, to reboot and to start and to renew everything, might that affect the way we live with our bit of creation, our little bit of our little world. I'll endure it. I'll keep going. I'm not going to give up on God's purposes. I might think, well, what's the most chaotic part of the creation that you're in? And it could be your own body because of the sickness or whatever that is you're struggling. It could be your emotional life. It could be my family. It could be my friends. It could be my job. It could be just whatever this bit of the created world stuff that I'm living in. So how is hope going to help me endure? Because I know God's committed to that. I know he's with me in that. And I know that this is not all there is. And so I, mean, I endure that. That hope gets worked out in my bit of the world. See the point? Hope. God's commitment in Christ to the future, to the creation, to me as a person who he's rescued. All of that seeds endurance in my life now. If you want to follow that, there's a great book on the subject called Surprised by Hope by Tom Wright. It's a bit heavy, but it's great, worth, worth pursuing. It's fantastic. Now, imagine a few people came to Portswood Church and got to know us really well. And, you know, came on a mission. <laughs> Maybe we had a team from Bangladesh came over and spent some time with us, got to know us. Maybe taught us some stuff about how to impact our communities in a sustainable way, which is something they're, they're learning and doing, as we heard last night, really well. And they came and they shared and they went away and they had a prayer meeting. What would they be praying for us? What would be the things that they look back and say, oh, this is what God's doing among those guys at Portswood Church? Think about that maybe in your house groups. So there are these signs of life much more quickly. How did these signs get there? Well, the passage gives us two answers. I want to just look at them. We see the, the roots of this growth, and we also see the process of this growth. Uh, I can just, just pick out a few things, and we can kind of uh, chew on them a bit. Where, what are the roots of it all? Well, we see here that the, the roots of it is that, are that God is working. Did you notice? Look at what it says about what God does here in verse 4, particularly verse 4 to 6. What does it say? It says, God loves us. He chose you, he says. You've been chosen by God. It talks about the Holy Spirit working with power. Or rather, there's power with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. When they heard the message, it, it hit home. And they saw something. It actually says, you became imitators 
of the Lord. You saw the Lord. Actually, says you became imitators of us. Verse 5, you know how we lived among you. They saw the Lord in the lives of Paul and his companions. God is doing it. And what's this telling us? It's telling us that God, the Lord is working among them. You know, we saw it in Antioch. It says the Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people turned to the Lord. God is doing something, was doing something, and is doing something among that community in Thessalonica. As they come to know him, he's in the process. Some of you who are new Christians may remember that process as you begin to, to maybe read the Bible or begin to pursue it or understand it. So it seems as if something else is happening. The living God is, is at work. There's other ways, other examples we could give. And Paul says that as, uh, as they, they realize God loves them, they realize that his love goes a long way back further than they may have imagined it says they're chosen and as they believe and as they begin with God then they realize that it's all much bigger than just that one thing they did now let me just say I don't believe personally they believed because they were chosen it's much more complex than that but as they believe they realize that they've been chosen something else is happening here let me kind of explain it maybe as an illustration might help I once had a confusing moment uh, back in the uh, uh, late 80s. I was in Abu Dhabi airport. You may have been there. I don't know what it's like these days. I haven't been back since. Not because of this traumatic experience. But it involved an escalator. And uh, the escalator in the airport, I, it, didn't, it wasn't working, so I didn't, I walk, you know, walked, didn't walk up it because I thought, what's the point? Uh, and then, 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 I, then I kind of went, I went, I came back up again, and I thought, oh, well, I, perhaps I'll walk up the escalator. And as I walked on the escalator, hey, the escalator started moving. And I realized, oh, okay, this is how this escalator, maybe the, these are more common nowadays than they used to be. But, um, it, it, you know, as I stepped on it, it I suddenly thought, there's, there's, there's something else, there's something else going on here. And sometimes, you know, becoming a Christian is a bit like that. You, you step onto it, and suddenly you realize that it's all much bigger than you could possibly have imagined. And, and Paul is saying that to the Thessalonians. You, God loved you. He's chosen you. And, and as they heard the message, message they, they realized that it was more than human reasoning. There was a conviction, a certainty about it. God is, and they realized that God was speaking to them. And how did they get that? Where did that conviction come from? Well, the Holy Spirit, it says the Holy Spirit was working. The, the words came with power. Now, we don't know what the Holy Spirit did. He may have you know, touched people's lives. He may have healed people. He may have done all kinds of things. We simply don't know. It may, it may have just been that there was a special kind of sense that they understood what was going on in a, in a way that was kind of more than just their heads, as it were, it got into them. We just don't know. But the key thing is that God was at work. As they heard the message and welcomed it. And we also know that God was at work because they knew how Paul and his friends lived among them. God's working was underlined by the lives that they saw of the people that lived the message and shared it with them. How about that? Ever thought your life might do that? Ever thought the Holy Spirit might work in your life that there may be some of your non-christian friends who looking in and seeing god at work in your life 
So growth comes as the Lord works. That's the root of growth. God is working. That's why we need to be praying. Because we're praying because we want God to be working. We know that there's, there's, we can't do it. We need the Lord to be at work. That's why we, need, we, we also need to live our lives honestly, just as Paul and his companions did. There'll be much more about this uh, next week or two weeks' time, the week after. The way we live among people is really important, that we, we're open and honest as we live before them, that we don't hide what we are. Because living openly before people as believers brings conviction. The Holy Spirit uses that. So we pray. We live it out. We speak the good news. Paul said, you welcome the message of the good news. And the Holy Spirit works. Let's not be satisfied with less than this, you know, as a community. Let's pray. Let's live it out. Let's speak the good news. But we need more than words. We need power. We need God's power. There's no growth unless God is working. How much do you want that? How much do I want that in our lives? In the house group, in your family, in your workplace. Let's ask him for that. The roots of growth. God is working. But we can see the process of growth in the second four verses. Verses 7 to 10. Paul talks about how the Thessalonians responded. The the, the process of growth continued as they responded to what God was doing. Responding to God, responding to him, going with what he's saying. That's why, again, there's there's prayer and the walking with him, the expecting, the living of the life is so crucial. As we respond, the process grows. And there's something about what happens here. These uh, Thessalonians, they welcome the message, it says. You welcomed. That word message is the, is the New Testament word, word. It's the same word that is used of the Bible, logos. It's the same word that is used of the Lord Jesus, actually, too. The word. It talks about the good news of the gospel in verse 5. And, and Paul says, you welcome that. And as you welcomed it, you were responding to Jesus. He says, you became imitators of the Lord as well as us, says Paul. You wanted to go the Lord's way. You wanted to follow closely to him. Even suffering wasn't going to stop you. Why? Because there was joy in your experience. Because the Holy Spirit was with you and you knew him and you knew his help. And you knew his joy and so you were able to keep going. Even though there was suffering. There was a continuing response to the Lord. That was the process of growing So what about us in our lives? Do we respond to God? How can we be like that? We need to get the whole picture, don't we? To realize that that it's, as in here, it's the Word. It's the Lord. As they wanted to imitate the Lord Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit. The point is, it's not just listening to a sermon. It's not just going to a Bible study. It's not just being at a service. It's not just having great worship. Uh, it's not just reading some great books. It's any or all of the above, but as, as the gateway to imitating the Lord. What we're doing as we're doing all of those things is responding to the Lord, being like him, wanting to follow him, wanting more of his power and his love in our lives. And we're asking him for that, knowing his presence as we are going to walk through suffering. And this kind of life from God gets everywhere, verse 8 tells us. The word rings out. 
It reverberates like an echo. What do people get? Well, it's down there. What is it that people say? What Paul gets feedback, you know, from other people about the Thessalonians. And the feedback he gets is this. They've turned to God from idols. That's faith. They've changed the way they live. They serve the living and true God. God's real in those people's lives. They serve him and others. That's love, isn't it? And they're waiting for his son from heaven. That's hope. Jesus, the risen Jesus, who because he's alive, has taken the wrath, the punishment, the the anger of God against human rebellion uh, and the the consequences of that 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 is coming upon us if we don't know his rescue. And And he's rescued us in Jesus. That's what other people were saying about them. The life signs were seen by others around. All that was being said by pagans, presumably, by other people in their city or in the cities, or maybe other communities of believers that Paul knew who had heard what was going on with the Thessalonians. It's a great reputation to have, isn't it? And it was all going on in a city not unlike our own. Why? Because there were these life signs, because uh, growth was from God. He was doing things, and people were responding to him. So how are we doing in the signs of life, as it were? How would we score? Faith, love, and hope. I'm not saying it's like a work to score, but it's worth asking. How are we in knowing that this growth, do we really believe that this growth comes from God? So we pray, so we expect, so we look for that. Knowing that this growth works out as we respond to God with Jesus at the center of our lives, our King from heaven who rescues us from the judgment we deserve. Let's be growing. We can can grow because it's about God, what God does Let's ask and trust and work with him together for his glory. Amen.